Now there were examples where people didn't elevate their home. And you can see where the, the, the force that Storm Surge had was completely destroying the structure of the building. Welcome back to part two of our mini-series where we're re-examining what happened to the insurance market as a result of Hurricane Ian and where we can expect to go from here. If you missed part one, I do recommend going back and catching up on last week's episode. To recap, we introduced our guest, John Schneier, and talked about how Hurricane Ian's impact had surging effects on Florida legislative policy in both the insurance and reinsurance industries. Let's jump into it. So to address the uninsured flood loss portion, um, so there will be a significant amount of the flood losses that are going to be uninsured. Uh, right. From what we've seen so far, that's going to be mostly inland flood, so precipitation-induced inland flooding. That's not storm surge. This mm-hmm. is away from the point of landfall. Uh, you know, we saw 15 to 20 inches of rain over a 24-hour period across Florida. And, you know, for riverine flooding, you know, rivers overflowing, there's going to be some flood damage, yeah. and it might extend past the special flood hazard area. Or... Um, what we call flash flooding, especially in urban environments right. where there's a lot of pavement, water can infiltrate the ground surface, you get flooding, and those typically aren't captured in the special flood hazard okay. area. Now, that being said, for NFIP claims, you know, losses in the special flood hazard area, um, one of the trends we're noticing, and it's a little different for Ian than it has been historically, is that the severity of, the average severity of loss claims is higher. Mm-hmm. So if we look at notable flood events, uh, surge flood events um, in history, uh, and we compare Ian to those, we can see that the average flood payment for Hurricane Ian, now we're doing this sort of a back of the envelope calculation. We're kind of okay. assuming that the to- the final insured flood loss, the NFIP, will be somewhere between that 3.7 and 5.2 billion. So let's just say four and a half billion. Okay. And we've been looking at the number of claims received. They, FEMA provides that information in uh, you know, they update it uh, periodically. And we know that we've been kind of watching the number of claims that have been uh, received. This is received, so not paid. Okay. Or not, you know, there's not a count of if it's paid or not, but just received. And we've seen the number start to plateau a bit, around 45,000. So if we assume $4.5 billion of loss, 45,000 claims, something like $100,000 per claim. Okay. So that's pretty substantial, because if we look at the uh, private residential wind claims, dollars, you know, dollars paid per claim, it's about 37,000. For flood, it's 100000 That's three times as high and nearly 50% of the limit for a standard NFIP policy, which is about $250,000 on residential properties. Mm-hmm. So we go back to comparing those to historical storms. The only one that's higher was Katrina. Now, Katrina was a surge event, but it was also a levee failure event. Sure, so, yeah, there's a lot you know, more going I wouldn't on quite there. Call them apples. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more going on. I wouldn't quite call it an apples to apples. It's sort of an apple to crab apple comparison. <laughs> but... If you look at the average of Irma, uh, Katrina, Sandy, um, you know Michael, Ida, a number of other big flood events, that average is like seventy grand, right? Right, and Ian's yeah. hundred grand, so it's up substantially on the average, and uh, it's getting much closer to the you know halfway point of that policy limit. Right. So there's, it's it's indicative of the degree of damage from flooding from Hurricane Ian, and that's something that we noticed. Um, that was, I wouldn't say confirmed, but backed up by some of our observations on the ground. To add some additional context to historic storms, CoreLogic data shows that Hurricane Harvey, which devastated the Houston area in 2017, caused an estimated 25 to $37 billion in damages. Hurricane Andrew, which made landfall on the coast of Florida in 1992, resulted in $25 billion in damages at the time which is approximately $53.37 billion today, according to inflation metrics from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. 
Damages from Hurricane Ida were estimated to be between $27 and $40 billion, and Hurricane Irma saw estimated damages of between $42.5 and $65 billion. Okay, and I, I actually want to go exactly there um, on the ground. So something that we at CoreLogic did following the event is we sent a team to the impacted area in Florida to do a reconnaissance trip. So can you talk a little bit about you know what they saw, you know the purpose of their trip, and just talk a little bit about what that that trip looked like? Yeah, of course. Um, so our team went down uh, the Hazard HQ reconnaissance team went down to Southwest Florida. Uh, in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. And their goal was really to assess a couple of things. Um, a, the extent of damage around the point of landfall, uh, the types of damage, wind, flood, uh, and the severity uh, and the magnitude of that damage. So our team drove you know, 350, 400 miles around Southwest Florida, around the point of landfall, all the way down to Naples, mm. up to Port Charlotte uh, as well, uh, and out to the islands. They didn't quite get out to Sanibel because there was no bridge out to Sanibel, oh, wow. uh, unfortunately. Um, but they did go to Fort Myers Beach okay. uh, as well. Uh, and what they noticed is that around the point of landfall, um, there was both wind and storm surge loss, but the storm surge flooding damage was incredibly severe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I remember looking at some of the photos and notes that came back from their survey, and I remember seeing one home, and I'll describe this uh, as best I can, but this is an oceanfront property. So okay. if you're looking at from, you know, if you're, if you're on the beach, you got the ocean right behind you, and this house is right here on the beach. Very modern-looking house uh, in terms of it was built recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at the house after the storm, the bottom floor looks like there was nothing ever there. It's built up on stilts. It's got a concrete slab, um, and but it looks like it was it was basically it was completely destroyed. Wow, yeah. um, but there's nothing on that floor. That floor was empty. It was garage space. It was storage. Right. The first floor was elevated up above the damage level from Hurricane Ian. And if you look at the top two thirds of that house. It looks virtually untouched. Wow. So it speaks to the importance of elevating your home if you're going to live in a, a flood risk, a storm surge risky area. Yeah. But it also speaks to the importance of making sure your home is built to the uh, highest, uh, you know, the strictest building codes because we don't see any damage to the roof. Mm-hmm. There's no shingle damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't see any damage to the windows. That's the, the, the importance of hurricane shutters over the doors and windows. Um, and if you can keep the wind from coming into your the envelope of your house, it's going to keep your roof attached. That's what happens is when windows break, air gets in, blows the roof right. off. So this house, the top two thirds of this house looks untouched. And this was at Fort Myers Beach, which was almost ground zero for this event. Um, the bottom floor completely destroyed. But, you know, that was the intent, right? The intent was the bottom floor to take the brunt. You don't have much down there. Yeah. It's unfinished. So in that case, it's a success. So we saw a number of examples like that. Now, there were examples where people didn't elevate their home. And you can see where the the, the force that Storm Surge had was completely destroying um, the structure of the building. I remember another picture of a, a 7-Eleven. You can, everyone can picture a 7-Eleven, concrete walls. Yeah. Um, and that building was basically, the, basically it was just knocked to the side, right? It was like tilting. So the, the force of the water basically pushed that building over. Wow. That's how strong the Storm wow. Surge was. Yeah, so powerful. when we talk about... It is powerful. When we talk about the severity of those flood claims, well, we're seeing a lot of complete destruction of homes from storm surge, wow. but less so from wind, right? So we saw some damage related from wind. We saw some tiles um, that were uh, blown off. We saw some siding damage, and there were some homes where the, that envelope was broken and the uh, there was significant roof damage inside. But you know, around the point of landfall, flooding was the 
biggest driver of damage. Granted, it's a big storm. There's still going to be a lot of wind claims across the state. So there's still going to be a lot of wind loss, but the severity flood was much more severe at the point of landfall. In our last episode, we asked our listeners to tell us their stories about Hurricane Ian and their experiences with insurance in the aftermath. If you haven't done so, we welcome you to reach out. You can leave a comment on our social media using the handle at CoreLogic on Facebook and LinkedIn or at CoreLogic Inc. on Twitter and Instagram. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, no, that that's really helpful. And I, I appreciate trying to paint a picture too of, of everything that the team saw. And really, I guess, you know, I want to talk a little bit about too, about the purpose of these trips is really as part of validation um, of our models of our loss estimates. And can you, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, any insights that the team brought back after spending this week or so in this impacted area and seeing all this damage like they didn't just bring back a bunch of photos to show they were there like they they did it for a purpose so do you want to talk a little bit about that absolutely so the reconnaissance missions uh we use that data and that information to validate our you know our estimated losses and to improve the model right the models are always they're constantly improving Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. Um, we'll take those notes and we'll make changes either to the hazard component of our model. So that's, you know, where the water is, how much water there is, or the, the winds, or the vulnerability of individual structures, how they react to certain wind speeds or flood depths. So, you know, for coastal properties like those in Fort Myers Beach, like the one I was describing earlier, you know, our flood model did a great job of estimating the financial impact from that peril uh, in that area. You know, one of our greatest strengths here at CoreLogic is the property, the detailed property database we have. So when we create flood footprints for Hurricane Ian, mm-hmm. we know flood depths at every individual home, Right. Yep. Uh, you know, which is fantastic. But if you don't know a lot about the individual structure, it's hard to figure out how much damage they'll right. be. Yeah. So we have this incredible property database where we've captured things like the first floor height or the foundation material. We use, you know, machine learning, AI algorithms to look at uh, imagery, either that be, you know, aerial imagery, mm-hmm. street photography imagery, uh, satellite uh, derived, like remotely sensed data. So we know everything about the house. We have a, do a great job of modeling the flood extent. So we have, we're very confident in how our damage estimation and the financial component of that model worked. So I did mention that we're, you know, we're constantly updating the model. Yeah. It's not to say that we didn't learn from Hurricane Ian. Mm-hmm. There are going to be lessons learned and we're going to take those lessons and we're going to help continue to develop the model. So I guess when we, you know, try and anticipate things going forward, we are now a couple of months, not very far away from the start of hurricane season. And if we think about, I mean, I know we don't quite know what to expect yet, um, but what do we think we've learned from Hurricane Ian and other events and what do we think you know when we what can we anticipate moving forward for storms that may happen this year in particular with the the need for additional insurance capacity from from the from the from the industry it's a good question yeah and hurricane season is always it's always, it always feels like it's around the corner yeah. um so certainly one of the biggest issues in florida not for homeowners is is capacity yeah. so we need to not we what needs to happen is that more insurers, we somehow they need to entice insurers to start writing again in Florida mm-hmm. for, 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 for hurricanes. Now, how do we do that? Well, insurers need to make sure that they're not going to go insolvent, so there needs to be reinsurance capacity. Yeah. So hopefully those new reinsurance layers that the um, Florida legislative branch uh, enacted this year will help. 
and hopefully, um, you know, the the reinsurance policies written for a lot of um, carriers that write in Florida are renew on June first. So hopefully, they'll see that you know the January first renewals mm-hmm. went well, and that that'll carry over to June. Um, so, you know, if we can increase the capacity for you know, reinsurance capacity, insurers can keep writing, then they can continue to insure homes. Um, you know, we can still be fairly certain that if we continue to build in high-risk areas, whether that be along the coast in Florida uh, or in the wild or, uh, wildland urban interface, mm-hmm. if we're talking about wildfire mm-hmm. risk, you know, cat losses are going to continue to rise. Right. Um, exposure growth is probably the biggest contributor to the annual economic and insured net cat losses. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, because of climate change, yeah. uh, sea levels will be higher. Uh, storm surge will be more severe. Storms will be wetter. There's going to be more flood losses. Um, you know, hopefully the, uh, the, the secondary factors that are increasing the losses, like inflation or the human element, um, hopefully those are going to be curbed a bit more coming this year. So it's just, mm-hmm. just the insured loss from storms like Hurricane Ian. And hopefully uh, carriers will be able to price for that accordingly um, and should be a lot better going forward. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Now, what will be the final story? We don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah, time will tell. We're hoping that the situation, time will tell. The situation will be a lot better. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling, John, that you're going to be back again in the next few months to talk to us mm-hmm. again. So um, we we love having you here at CoreLogic. We love having you on this podcast. And yeah, we'll see how hurricane season unfolds this year, but as well as any other natural hazards that may happen as well, I'm sure we will have you back. So thanks so much for joining again today on Core Conversations, a CoreLogic podcast. Thank you so much. All right. And thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. Please remember to leave us a review and let us know your thoughts and subscribe wherever you get your podcast to be notified when new episodes are released. And thanks to the team for helping bring this podcast to life. Producer Jesse Devenins, editor and sound engineer Romeo Roman, our new facts guru, Erica Stanley, and social media duo, Sarah Buck and Michaela Brooks. Tune in next time for another core conversation. 